Games says hello to VR. And Game of the Year nominees revealed. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as has become tradition, is one, Mr. Just so he can't miss it. (laughs) It's me, Chris Figgs. You will forever be Mr. Chris Figgs. I'll take that. If you want to change it to some other form of Mr., I will allow that. Uh, If you want to have it be Monsieur, Senor, whatever it be. Honestly, I feel like... You should just introduce me in whatever way you see fit, and then just actually isn't Monsieur. I'm over here talking like I know French. Isn't Monsieur like friend? Isn't that a cheese? (laughs) (laughs) You know what's a good question? I guess I got to learn French before I start doing this. No, I was Uh, making a joke about Monster Cheese. No, it's Mister. Look at that. I I doubted myself, but you know, you got to doubt yourself a few times. I will only accept that on Cinco de Mayo. I am Senor Chris. Otherwise, I okay. could be Mr. This is an American okay. podcast, after all. I mean, if that's what you want, then we'll make that happen next Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Sounds great. All for you, Mr. Chris Figs. Uh, Chris. Yes, hi, Brett. Thanks, as always, for joining me. And uh, I know today, I think we can go ahead and kind of let everyone know, today is not going to be that long of an episode for a few reasons. Uh, yeah. First and foremost... Before we get into everything, welcome to the show. That's actually the best thing we can do. Uh, if you're new to the show, we hope you stick around and do enjoy what we talk about. Uh, we, of course, are going to start the show off in a normal way that like we always do, but we're going to get into talking about the Game of the Year nominees, um, whether anything was snubbed, and how we feel about the process of how those are selected. In a year like this year where there's not been as many uh, immediately obvious candidates for a lot of people, and then the discussion definitely around whether enough games even get considered because of the fact that there's only so much bandwidth of what to play and what to keep in your head. Um, Of course, we're going to talk about things like PSVR 2, stuff that's happening with it, some new peripherals for PlayStation 5 that are coming. But to go ahead and get it out of the way, I forgot to put the community's take out for anybody who's new to the show. Um, The community's take is typically where we ask you guys a question at the end of the previous episode. I repost it to social media. Get your guys to answer and then we will read some of the answers out loud on the show to give us you know community feedback different opinions different voices coming in uh, allow you guys to challenge us sometimes if we say something in response to something it's just it's a good back and forth but this week work got in the way of me actually posting that so as a solution i've decided to move the alarm that i have set for that away from where i have it and i'm going to move that to sunday and start posting that on Sunday. It gives a little bit more time to answer. gives it a day where I won't be working, so I won't be able to be distracted and having to turn off the alarm. So I apologize. Hopefully we get back on track next week. And then secondarily, there's just not a lot of news, definitely news of value this week. We're in a weird part of the year where a lot of games are coming, so a lot of people aren't wanting to show a whole lot of news out and about. And just let games sell without worry of, talking about anything new necessarily um so with that in mind chris let's get this show on the road first and foremost what have you been doing i hope your answer is not that you've been working again (laughs) and uh, only at least i hope you've had a little time for something else and then of course what have you been playing so uh go ahead take it away um 
I mean, working is the real answer, but no, last week after the show, I had a couple of days off. Um, so I went out for my birthday. That was fun. I got very drunk. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you were trying to, Brett was trying to message me about something and he got like, I think three messages in and I was like, dude, I can't talk about this with you right now. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of which, we never got back around to that. So good as time as any to say, one of our listeners, longtime listeners, Mr. Josh Drago, um, reached out because he had an extra code for God of War, and, and he provided us with the codes. Uh, it was for the collector's edition, so it will be both the game, which, I, if I'm not mistaken, is PS4 and PS5 copies digitally, mm-hmm. as well as the DLC specifically for the collector's edition. Um, so with that in mind, he's given that to us so that we can do a giveaway, and I want to have fun with it. So, Chris, here we are in the real time. I thought we could do something where we announce it on the show, but then we take it to social media and let you guys have a blast over there. I thought it'd be good to get people to record. I don't know if we want to go this hard, but I thought it'd be funny to get people to record their best Kratos boy and send it in. And then, of course, we just randomly select whoever it is. But I thought See, about making it a little more challenging on, if we're gonna to, do that, to actually get in. Yeah, I, I like that idea, but I feel like if we're going to do it, then you got to post it on social media and then we have to just play them all during the podcast. And then the community Ooh. votes on the winner. <sighs> Oh, boy. Well, I don't know. I want to find a way to give it away, not, you know, make it fair to whoever is getting it, either by random choice or by community vote. But I also want to make it something that's easy to do. Um, Playing every one of them on the episode sounds like a not good idea. And all I think it sounds like a great idea. Just just three minutes of boy. Boy. (laughs) Boy. Not even that's just the intro of it. Uh, well, we need to figure out something. We've got given a free code with the responsibility to give it away. So, Chris, here's the here's the time. Now is the moment. Okay, I'm sure we can figure something out. I have confidence in us. I believe in you. Do you believe in me? I, I mean, I believe in life after love. So, I, if I can believe in that, I can believe in anything. That's true. That's true. So, tell you what, Chris, we're going to give a little bit of time. Let's keep it in the back of our heads and keep thinking while we move along. <laughs> but Chris, you got very drunk and I couldn't I talk to you about drunk. it then, which more power to you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. I, I enjoyed partying for my birthday. I'm going to see Taylor Swift because of my, my whole family. So that's very exciting. Are you telling me that your family came together and surprised you with T-Swift tickets? They did, yes. I'm so proud of them because ticket prices are fucking crazy right now. That's what I said. And then my brother was like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get it off a of reseller. That'll be easier. And I just looked at him I'm like, dude, I love you. And I love Dave Matthews. But we're talking about Taylor Swift. We're not talking about Dave Matthews. You're going to pay $1,000 for this ticket if you wait that long. Yeah, 100%. Like, for not even great seats for Blink-182, it was like, after fees and everything, it was like $200 a ticket. Like two hundred one dollar yeah, a ticket outrageous. for bad for bad seats, but my it's what my a, wife wanted for her birthday, and I want to see him too, so it's fine. I, I'll take the hit. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like you. You guys are very bold waiting, but good luck. I hope it works out. Otherwise, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Can't no, disappoint people for their birthday. No, that's cool. I know you're a big Swifty. Speaking of which, uh, I, I haven't heard Swifty. your thoughts on the new album. So, what's going on there? 
It's good. I'm not uh, a Swifty, so I have to rely on you. You're you're my you're my connection into the Swift world. Am I? I'm your your quicker, swifter upper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you you and Knuckles from Sonic have a, a bunch in common because I don't know if you saw the Sonic thing where they went through and were talking about the music they like Sonic and the voice actor for Knuckles was like, uh, or Knuckles, I'm sorry, Knuckles was uh, Lizzo. It was Shadow and Amy who were big Swifties. Shadow being a Swifty is all I need because yeah. Shadow is the coolest character in Sonic. I, yeah, you know, I I don't really think of it as a spoiler. I don't think anybody would think this, but in a weird way, I think it might be. But I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I'm I was a missed shadow being in front. He should have been in Frontiers, and he was not. I was like, I missed his presence, and I think that's just because I just recently replayed Sonic Adventure Two, and I love Shadow in that game. Uh, I just <clears throat> I still get the same dumb feeling in my chest whenever he comes on screen. I'm like, damn, he's cool. <laughs> that I got when I was like <laughs> seven or eight when that game first came out, you know? He just is the coolest hedgehog of them all. He is. I mean, he's the ultimate life form, you know? So Yeah. I mean, hopefully other Sonic media will will have something to do with Knuckles. With Knuckles? You mean Shadow? Shadow is the one I meant, yes. We already have oh, our yeah. Idris, Elba, Idris Elba Knuckles, which is still mm-hmm. some of the best casting of all time. Oh, it was, it was great. I, I was like, I went from like, okay, I think that kind of works to a little worried. And then the movie came out and I thought that he knocked it out of the park. He nailed it. It's he perfect. Did. And the characterization for Knuckles is on the money. Because for a while, the previous Sonic games and, and the cartoons have been making like Knuckles an idiot. And I'm like, he's not an yeah. idiot. He's just naive. But right. he's not dumb. He's naive with good intentions. And... A lot of stuff hadn't done that, but I felt like that movie portrayed it perfectly. But I'm very excited to see Shadow in uh, live action. Me too. Who's going to play Shadow? Uh, who do you think the voice actor should be? I have been bouncing back and forth, and I don't know. I'm a little curious as to where the depths for them are going to be because they got the Tails voice actor to play Tails in the movie, which I loved because it made Tails feel more like that. But they clearly weren't going to do that with Sonic. And I have a feeling they're probably not going to do that with Amy and or Shadow. I have a feeling Amy's coming soon. They may do their thing of introducing one character per movie. But oh, no, they didn't. They introduced Tails and, and Knuckles. So yeah, yeah, you add one good guy, one faux bad guy. I got, yeah, it's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be Amy and <laughs> there's no way they're going to start with Big the Cat. <laughs> there's just no way. <laughs> I could Big see the them starting with Big the Cat as if um, Big the Cat is just a real cat. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be kind of funny if he's just, they just have a household cat and they yeah, name him a, Big. It's just a fucking tabby cat. <laughs> <laughs> Does it talk or anything? It just meows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be very funny. I would be in for that. That would be good. Considering that Big is kind of like a joke character in many ways anyway. Like he's not he's never highly tied in the end of stories. He's just a fun little side character that likes right. to fucking fish. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Good for him. What's that dumb old saying? Uh the worst day fishing is better than the best day in the office. <laughs> True. I mean objectively correct. 
I don't know, man. There's that Daniel Toss joke where he's like, yeah, these guys out on the side of these frozen fre- uh, you know, freighters in Antarctica be like, at least I'm fucking fishing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a day at the office. That's true. It, See? It's, it's the, See? the meaning behind it. You're still working at that situation, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, all right. So what else you got going on? If, if that was all that your uh, week was eventful, uh, then at least – Enrapture us with your, uh, which I shouldn't. I'm not downplaying Taylor Swift tickets. First of all, so that's I want to let huge, that be known. Like, that's huge. It has the potential to be expensive and huge. Not for me, <laughs> since it sounds like <laughs> they don't have the tickets yet. But that's a problem for them. So yeah, let them go yep. ahead. Yep. I, I just uh, want to throw this out problem. there. I don't know if your dad listens to this show. I know that he listened to Midweek. He did. All I want to throw out there. I still feel like I got shafted in the at least one free meal at Longhorn. I thought I was really going to get something, and my social engineering did not work. <laughs> That's what I'm learning. <laughs> you should have kept that. my insider knowledge didn't happen. You needed to have me add subliminal messages to each of the episodes of Midweek. Just mm. in the background, it's, give Brett Longhorns. Give Brett Longhorns. I mean, Brett wants a T-bone I just want it steak. once. Just once, an outlaw ribeye with steakhouse mac and cheese and some mashed potatoes. Is that Ooh, too much not, to ask for? No, I mean that seems like a good order. Honestly, I could eat that. Oh, right I can now. confirm, by the way, that ours got rid of the the Maverick that you get. Yeah, no, I asked my dad. He said they did. I was like, well, why? Why didn't you bring me one before they were gone forever? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. No, uh, I saw that and I was like, it's one of those menu items where as far as I can tell from looking at it, it's like, why would you even take it off the menu? Because you have all of the pieces for it back there. Right. Well, probably the bread. Maybe. But I hate when places do that. And then like you ask them, they're like, oh, we could still do it. Like at McAllister's, I get this thing called the Spud Olay, and it hasn't been on the yeah. menu in like three years. But it's just a potato with their <laughs> chili in it and jalapenos. And it's delicious. But it's like I they still it. have chili. They still have spuds. So it's like, why did you even take it off the menu at that point? <laughs> if you're still going to let me order it, what have you done? My, my old job used to do that, and I would hate it because I'd be like, why did you take this off the menu if you're still going to make me serve it? Like, yeah, if you're still going to let people order it, then you've wasted my time. <laughs> yeah, just don't take it off the menu at that point. Yeah, it's either that or you got to like be like, listen, you can't order it. Doesn't matter if we can make it. But you Exactly. Know. God forbid you get one of those the customer's always right guys in. <laughs> I hate that saying because no one ever interprets says it properly, which leads to a bunch of freaking problems. Well, what's, the, the, what's is, the proper? Go ahead. The customer is always right in the matter of taste. It's extremely different. <laughs> so that's that sounds specific to the food industry. I'm not hearing uh, too much. Now, people used to say to that to fashion. me. Oh, well, that's fair. Yeah, taste is, uh, there's taste buds and then there's more perceptual taste. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even then, though, I feel like that doesn't apply very well to GameStop. And I used to get that all the time when I worked at GameStop. 
There was nothing more funny than a guy coming in to trade in a game that was worth like 37 cents. And he's like, bro, come on, man, like $5. Come on, just give me $5. No, I'm not giving <laughs> you. I can't change what the computer says. Right. If I give you $5, I have stolen from the company to give it to you. <laughs> there's, there's no possible way. Can't do it. Sorry, I'm not friend. a pawn shop. <laughs> we are not friends here, so you're not getting that out of me. Dude, it blew my mind how people would treat GameStop. We had a guy who would come in and he would pre-order games almost every week. And then within the next two to three weeks, he'd come in and he'd cancel a pre-order and be like, oh, let me get that $5 back. I- I'm-, I'm a little short on cash this week. And by the time it was done, none of his pre-orders would stick. He would never have a game pre-ordered until it came to release. Eventually, somewhere along the line, he'd pull that $5 back out. And it sucked because <laughs> the way that GameStop would work... If somebody canceled a pre-order on you, it took a pre-order away from your daily merits. So if you had a day where you got a bunch of pre-orders and then he came in and was like, let me cancel those three, you're fucked. <laughs> it was oh, just done. That does suck. Because then I'm, I used I, to do that all the time, so now I feel bad. From what I understand, they don't operate that way anymore, but it was rough times. Nothing like getting a call from the manager to be like, what am I supposed to do? Tell the customer he can't have his money back? <laughs> And you go, you're supposed to talk him out of not pre-ordering it. I'm like, well, okay, he clearly doesn't want it. So am I supposed to talk him into pre-ordering and putting the five dollars elsewhere? If he drove here to get that money back, I'm not gonna stop him. <laughs> if he that's the thing, if he drove there to get five dollars back, that dude doesn't have five dollars. So clearly. don't worry about it. <laughs> like if he was coming back and he was like, Yeah, you know, I ordered the God of War Yotnar edition, I paid the whole thing off and I just I'm short on my car bill. I'd be like, Yeah, that makes sense. For five dollars, like that man is short on a pack of cigarettes, and he's having trouble. So just <laughs> it's a rough it day. Back. He he can't have his two monsters and a what is your lunch <laughs> that you always said? No, I, some I'll get uh, two pieces of pizza and two monsters, and I'll have a monster and a pizza and the pizza for for lunch, and then uh, I have another monster for the end of the day. Uh, hey. I'm proud of you. You do you. You live, uh, what's, what's the saying? You live your best life? Yeah. Uh, so, all right, man. What games have you been playing? Ooh, uh, I've been playing a lot of games. I've been playing God of War Ragnarok, which I would imagine most people are. Some Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Tactics Ogre Reborn, and Vampire Survivors. So, I've heard people talking about Vampire Survivors. A lot of people on social media bringing it up and saying that it was... There were people thinking it was going to be a Game of the Year nominee before they were confirmed, and then people no, saying it was snubbed that. and didn't get enough uh, recognition at the Game Awards. Whole other conversation there. But what I am curious about is I've not heard of that game at all. Mm-hmm. So quick, like, what, what's the quick back-of-the-case sell? Like, what kind of game is it? What is it? Um, it's like a roguelike auto-battler where you just you move your character around screen and the auto attacks and timed intervals... And you have to just you get upgrades as you kill, as you kill monsters. Monsters get progressively harder. You can um, you can get coins which you keep throughout runs, which you can buy power ups for. It's a lot of fun, but it's not a game of the year candidate for me. Like I don't see how you could seriously look at that game and be like game of the year compared to Elven Ring and God of War and Stray and Xenoblade and. I think you're touching on. One of the weirdest things about the idea <laughs> of a game of the year and the way that treat that people treat the game awards game of the year for some reason, it's like that game of the year gets given like pristine 
all it, it's the game of the year of all game of the year awards. And I, I don't really love that because unfortunately I feel like you're giving them too much credit and you're really taking away from the fact that the reason so many publications have that is because different publications speak to different niches of the gaming industry and their game of the year will not always line up with what this grandmaster one is. And just because a game that you like didn't get a nominee doesn't mean that it won't get its due diligence elsewhere. You know what I mean? I, yeah, but I don't think I agree with you because the game, mm-hmm. the game awards is the Oscars and yeah, in compared to that, and the all sense the that other it's sites, purely ceremonial. <laughs> but yes, sure. But it's the awards one that are is ceremonial. Recognized. Yeah, I mean, like no one's, you know, compared to the game awards in a lot of circles, and probably to the industry at large at this point, it's the same as like me giving a movie of the year on my letterbox is, yeah. is is the same as the IGN game of the year comparatively, anyway. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about that is like, I guess the the point I'm really trying to make is think about all the games that get Game of the Year releases, despite the fact that you can't even name a single outlet (coughs) that gave them Game of the Year. And I don't mean that for anything other than clearly Game of the Year is just, in a lot of ways, it's like a marketing, so is the Oscars, is it's kind of like a, well, these are the things that sold the best and got a lot of media attention, whether or not they truly are the best or not. It really is less of a thing. And really, because I did not see a single place give Far Cry 6 Game of the Year, and yet it's got a Game of the Year edition. I There was another game very recently that had a Game of the Year edition, and I thought, I'm, what? I've never even heard of this game. And I don't mean that that doesn't mean it's not someone's Game of the Year. It's just, I think that that term has reached a point where I don't think it carries as much weight at that grand of a level. It only carries weight... It carries weight by um, per the source that's giving it. Jeff Keeley's means more than mine, right? Like if I sit here on the show and Arguably, go, Neon White is did. my game of the year. Neon yeah. White could look at that and be like, putting out our game of the year edition. Chris from Triangle Square says it's his game of the year. Yeah. But like everyone else is going to be like, yeah, okay, but you weren't even nominated at the Game Awards. That's, I think, the difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Neon White's not my game of the year, by the way, but very good oh yeah there's a whole other conversation to have there and i'm actually trying to think of how to budget out my time to where i can get a few more games in before we have our game of the year discussion which if you're new to the show for some reason we always do our game of the year as the last episode of the year is it's kind of the idea of like the year is up this is our game of this year that way we don't deal with these when the game came out if it came out in 2021, but it was past the cutoff. So we have to account it for this year and it gives you all sorts of very odd, which is hard to avoid anyway, but recency bias. Um, so in my mind, I'm thinking like, how am I going to play Signalis? I've got to figure out where Signalis goes and where I'm still going to make time for all these other games. That is why last year, I think I argued that we should do it in like March. <laughs> Which I think that that's still fair. I think saying that to where at least you have more time to play games from 2022, my biggest concern is just that we're not including games. We're not excluding games that did come out in this year, but we're not including games that came out last year. You know what I mean? Like if it's going to be March that we discuss it so we have more time to catch up, it still needs to be games that were limited to 2022, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and I think that's the that would be the case of how I would say it is if it came out in calendar 22. 
then it's it's eligible. And that doesn't mean yeah. that we played the game that came out January 31st, but it does mean that if we do happen to play it, it's eligible for the nomination. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And that, honestly, because this is a new show in, in some ways, paving new ground and, and us finding our own balance, um, if you'd want to talk about finding a day or a time that we want to move it to that's not immediate, I'm okay with that. Um March might be a little too far out for me, but at the same time, I get the the fact that it gives you more time to catch up on games. Definitely when end of the year tends to be a slew of releases. To me, I would, say, I would say we'd want to have it done before February because once February hits, we don't have, I don't have time to go back and yeah. be like, I'm going to give, you know, I don't know, like for you, like you're not going to skip Resident Evil 4 remake or you know, forespoken so that you can give Signalis a try, even if I think you might love it, you know? Yeah. I think that's no, you're the, right. I mean, it's, it, and it depends. A wild hair may strike at any point in time, but the likelihood changes a lot. So yeah, maybe we don't do it as the last episode of the year, but maybe we, we do it as one of the like mid to late January episodes, but we'll, uh, we'll discuss that and, and get a, a timeline out for you guys to, who do want to hear us talk about what games we enjoyed this year. Uh, but all yes. right, Chris, so Forza horizon five would have been nominated. Had it been us at least eligible for nomination. Okay. Xbox fans are very upset that God of war was eligible, but Forza horizon was not right. Even though it was eligible, it just didn't get voted for game of the year. Well, Halo Infinite is another game that I don't, I'm not saying it deserves it, but it's a game that came out and is, did it get any nominations? That's a genuine question. I didn't see it. I didn't think it did. And someone brought up a very clean argument, which this is, we'll we'll save this for a little bit later because I think that there's the conversation to be had once we get in the news. Um, So, Modern Warfare 2, God of War Ragnarok, Vampire Survivors, Tactics Ogre Reborn. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay, well, I guess technically a very small amount of Sonic Frontiers was played, but not since last episode, I assume. No, I haven't touched it. That's going to be yeah. ideally after uh, I finish Tactics Ogre and God of War, I think. But I did also pick up Persona 5 Royal on PS5, so that's that'll be there at some point. Gotcha. I'm curious to see you get back to Sonic, not because I, I'm not even sure you'll stick with it. I guess my big curiosity is whether you do stick with it. Because that in itself is kind of an odd, like, okay, I I like the game enough despite it not being one of my main genres that I like to operate within. So, yeah, if you end up beating it, I'll be very surprised, but pleasantly surprised. Sonic has it's, Sonic has something going for it that a lot of games that I'm not interested don't, where it's supposed to be a pretty easy platinum. So, I mean, worst case scenario, I'd probably finish it strictly on the basis of that. It's not a long platinum and it's supposed to be easy. Yeah, I think I got the platinum in like 30 hours. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. And honestly, by the time, because I was doing a lot of the stuff unwittingly, I didn't actually know what the platinum was. And I was just doing stuff to complete areas because that's what I was wanting to do. Um, But by the time I beat the story... I was like 26 hours or something in. So it was only like an extra four hours to, if even that. And this sucks. But the biggest one is that there's two stats that are tied to you finding the little cocoa creatures 
and turning them in. But unlike the seeds that you find and can turn in that give you all the levels at once based on the number of seeds you had, because the seeds are specific to their stats, since there's two options, the game makes you choose one level at a time of those options. And it means that you have to sit there and just keep hitting speed and then wait for the cut, like wait for the little cutscene thing to happen and then wait for the text oxen to come back up. And it takes like 10 seconds per and it's super annoying. It's very odd design when the it's so easy to do your other one, but that will be like an hour of your time. It's just leveling ring capacity and speed up. But it's the only kind of stupid trophies because, and not the trophies themselves are dumb, but the fact that the game is so bad at letting you do it easily. Yeah, that just sounds annoying. (laughs) It is annoying. It's the only trophy I was like, what the hell on? Every other trophy, fine. It's uh, it's one of those trophy lists where you can accidentally platinum the game. Oh, really? That's not that's not basically bad. like if you're just playing it, if it wasn't for that, like and if you try to s- spread that out throughout the game, like throw 10 levels on speed here and then play for a little bit and throw 10 levels on ring capacity here, then you'll stop that grind. But I got so bored of that that I just didn't touch ring capacity at all. So I had to mm-hmm. go like 60 levels up in speed and 100 levels up in ring capacity at the very end of the game to get the trophies. They yeah, were the last trophies I got. That's pretty brutal. <laughs> Yeah, so, but yeah, get back to it for an easy platinum, huh? Well, speaking of uh, Sonic Frontiers Platinum, I got the platinum, if that wasn't obvious. <laughs> uh, and I can say now that I'm completely done with the game that, again, the game's not perfect and it does swing occasionally and miss in certain areas. But for the most part, the charm fars out, far outweighs any of the small issues that I really <clears> have <throat> with it. Um, and something of note, not that the game is like a, a teeming, bustling open world by any standard, but crazily enough, out, like, optimization and bugs are two different things. And I got to say, I did not experience a single bug with the game. I think I had a bug with the trophy system where I told you that I it said I had popped the trophy, but it wasn't showing on my list. But as far as mm-hmm. I can tell, that was a PlayStation system error um, that eventually fixed itself. Otherwise, I did not experience a single bug in Sonic Frontiers, and that's kind of wild because it's the kind of game that you would expect to find some bugs in, even if they were just small, like, oh, you don't really, they don't matter. I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, I'm not saying there are none. I just experienced none that were obviously bugs to me. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, but go. yeah, I really enjoyed the game. It, it was quite fun, and it's really... Sh- this year's been weird. It's shaken me up on some of the games, but I'll be really interested to talk about it when we finally get to talking about all of 2022's games because Sonic Frontiers and Elden Ring play a very big part and odd surprises that flipped what I would have expected throughout the year. So that'll be fun. But of course, I started God of War Ragnarok because I got the Sonic Frontiers Platinum, which means I was done with it. I'm about 12 or so hours into God of War. I don't want to say too terribly much. Um, Vanaheim, for what it's worth, I think uh, can tell anyone where I'm currently at as of recording. Uh, I finished Vanaheim as far as I can tell. Um, so, with all that in mind, I'm going to reserve talking too much about God of War Ragnarok at the moment because I don't particularly want to say positive or negative things about it too much without having the full game's scope and scale in mind. Um, But starting off, the game is obviously great. 
and I'm having a good time playing it. I'm enjoying it and it's pulling me back to play it, but not in the way that I necessarily thought it would. And I think some of that might be painted by the fact that I was playing Sonic before and they really approach story to gameplay or at least I should say narrative and story presentation to gameplay in very different ways. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about God of War Ragnarok a little bit more with you guys. For anyone who wants, uh, you can join the Discord, which we have linked in our description below, and we do have a God of War Ragnarok spoiler channel. It is private. You can only see and interact in it if we add you to it. So if you want to jump into the Discord, click the description in the link below, be it on YouTube, on um, on audio podcast services, and just ask us to get put into there, and I'll gladly put you into there so you can discuss with everyone else, including me, as I feel uh, fit to do so. We got a couple people in there. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be fun to keep talking about it as it goes along, and uh, I think we're very seriously talking about what we want to do in terms of giving the game a real in-depth uh, spoiler chat. So, with that said, we are done with that particular section of the game or of the uh, of the show. There's no community's take, so I think that pulls us right into the news. <laughs> it does. News me up. I will news you up, Chris, since we are going to actually start with the Game of the Year stuff. Uh, Jeff Keighley, of course, uh, the Game Awards uh, being just around the corner. They've announced the nominees for the Namesake Award, the Game of the Year Award. So that's God of War Ragnarok, Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, A Plague Tale Requiem, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, Other than the Game of the Year category, God of War has been nominated for a leading 10 awards, followed by Horizon and Elden Ring, both of which received nominations in seven categories. Um, So does this list about match what you thought you'd see? I didn't think Stray, Plague Tale, or Xenoblade would be there. I'm not surprised by Xenoblade. I just have no um, cachet with that franchise, so it kind of surprised yeah. me, even though I've heard good things. But Stray... Same? Nah. Nah. <laughs> nah, I don't think Stray deserves to be there. Um, not upset with it or anything. It just doesn't... I, I'm sorry. I didn't think that game was good enough to be a game of the year. I, I didn't even think that game was good enough to continue. And I was very excited for that game. So, yeah. Um, do you see yourself playing Requiem? Since uh, you still haven't played the first Plague Tale, right? No, I haven't. If it was available to me for no cost and not on PC or Xbox, then yes, I would. But I don't see myself buying it, if that makes sense, unless I see it on sale for like $12. Like how I bought Plague Tale Innocence. <laughs> so you're talking specifically Requiem there? Yeah. I own So do you Innocence. think do you think there's a chance that you may randomly find yourself downloading and playing Innocence and then if you like it, you could move on to Requiem? Or at this point, do you think even though you have Innocence, it's just gonna be one of those games that sits in limbo where you're unlikely to ever play it? I think the only way at this point I would play Innocence and Requiem is if you messaged me and were like, Hey, I bought Requiem. And then I was like, okay, sure. But even then, I feel like I would download it and it would never get started. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I do intend to buy Requiem. So that will be a reality for you soon to deal with as to how you choose to do whatever you want to. Um, But, you know, I I don't necessarily think it matters that we have to talk about, you know, when we do our own game of the year, I don't really know that I personally care about looking at what the 
Game Awards nominated games were and, and talking our thoughts about them at length there. I think, of course, in the news like this, as a quick kind of look at how surprised we are, it goes into what you thought about the game, kind of like you say, like Stray, you don't see it, which is a fair point. Um, so I guess with that in mind, I'm I'm, mad, I'm the same with you on Xenoblade. I don't really have a lot of cachet with that franchise. I've heard great things about multiple of them, but it was a little bit of a surprise to see. And I can't speak to that game's actual quality, but I think, Chris, you said something that is... I, I found true up until I also thought about how many games come out this year that I haven't even had a chance to play. Um, and that was that, I, I guess I should let you speak for yourself in that regard, but you had mentioned something to the degree of you in a year like what we've had with game releases, mm-hmm. you didn't feel like there was an obvious list. Do you care to expound on that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of like solid there's a lot of games that in a, that are top of the year. Elden Ring, incredible stuff. God of War is great. Horizon sucks. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you look at those games as an outsider's perspective, you're like, okay, any of these could win, right? But this, I don't think it's a year where there's, there's five or six definitive game of the year games. Because, like, I think right now, me and you could both make... Like, okay, what are your six games of the year right now? Gran Turismo 7 is mm-hmm. one of them. Um, I, I struggle on whether I want to include Inscription. I think I do, because it technically it didn't release this year, but it did. Uh, so if I put that one aside, um, let's see. I'm not going to include The Last of Us remake. I mean, it's a fine game, but it, it's had its game of the year moment. Um, oh, this is actually a little harder than I thought it'd be. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because because some of the games, like I'm gonna be honest, Horizon Forbidden West is nowhere in the game of the year discussion for me. That's not I. I the game is fine. I enjoyed it. I got the platinum. I got, I like the game enough to get the platinum. But I think that for a Horizon Zero Dawn, in context to its release, had so much more going for it, and I think it delivered in more of what I expected to be. Uh, acceptable at not only the time in which it released, 2017, five years ago, uh, in context to what else was releasing around it and the novelty behind the idea. I think all of those things worked in favor of me enjoying it and loving it at that year, even if I think Zero Dawn is a harder game to sell in 2022 than it is in twenty in 2017. Um, like I think if I told someone to play Horizon Zero Dawn this year or next year, if they are doing a remaster of it, I don't think that game is going to garner as much love and success with a 2022 mindset because mm-hmm. that game falls short in too many areas that open worlds have improved on in the five years since it came out. And Forbidden West kind of improves on some of those and then I think moves back in, or at least laterally at most in other areas. Um, so yeah, Elden Ring was a huge miss for me. I'm not saying I don't understand why it's on this list, but I, have, I did not like Elden Ring at all at all like i didn't hate it i just have zero affinity for that game and that's crazy because i usually really love from soft games but it just wasn't there for me so right now the only thing that's definitively on my mind and on my list is gran turismo 7 which sounds insane i understand i love gran turismo and i think it's a great game so is that your game of the year it is uh it's definitely up there i'm trying to think of other things before i definitively say that 
Uh, but it has remained in my head as such a great experience that I kind of wish I had more time to get back to. Uh, and <laughs> this is going to sound crazy because I don't consider it it. And I, and this is of course, God of War Ragnarok uh, un, unlisted, untalked about because un, I'm not done with it, but games I have completed and have loved favorite games of the year, which is really when we're looking at game of the year for us, Sonic Frontiers is oddly up there in a way that I would have never anticipated. But I think that that's recency bias along with the surprise that came with that game being better than I anticipated. And so those two things together have me, what would you call it? I guess slightly high on the game right now. Okay. I don't, I don't think months from now I'll feel the same way about, like I love frontiers, but I don't think months from now that feeling will linger in the same way. You know what I mean? I do. Conan Exiles is not the game this year. So I don't know. What are your, like, do you have an easy five, six right now? Yeah, it would be, it's the thing. It depends on if we're including games that we feel like deserve to be there, but don't. Because if we're talking about like games I could see as a game of the, as a game awards, you know, docket, Mm -hmm. then I would say Elden Ring, God of War, Horizon, Call of Duty, and then like if it's my pick, MLB The Show is on there too, you know, and then Signalis or Cult of the Lamb. But I think when you look at those games, even when you look at your list and you look at mine, it's a lot of like a lot of games that in a year, let's say in a in a year not impacted by COVID and delays like it has been, wouldn't even smell the lists, even though they're great games. Yeah, I think that's fair. But then I guess the other side that whenever I first brought this up that I said the other unfortunate side is that I'm well aware that I've had not enough time and I've not put enough effort into looking and seriously uh, spending time with the indie games. I feel like usually there's at least one indie game that's from that year. And there are indie games I've played this year, but they're not from this year. You know what I mean? Like the pathless was fantastic. I really love that game, mm-hmm. but it didn't come out this year. Inscription is a wonderful game. It's so good. Didn't come out this year. Technically it did on PlayStation, but the game is a year old as far as release is concerned. So there are great games and that are, that are indie games. And there's other games I've just been playing catch up on, but the problem is I didn't get to play games like cult of the lamb, which I don't think would be a game of the year candidate for me from everything I've seen. I think I would love it, but you never know. That's the, that's kind of the problem I'm having here is like what does count at what point? That's why for me, I think when we talk about our games of the year, I don't think they have to come from 2022 or that's two yeah. separate conversations. What's at the, the very least, the I think there's something to be said there. Yeah, because I think right now if I had to put an, an actual list on what my favorite game of this year has been in terms of the most fun I've had in the game, Conan Exiles. Yeah, and I so, don't blame you. You know, yeah, and that's one of those things. Like for me, realistically, even if I don't finish it, Persona Five is my game of the year. It came out again this year. It's the game <laughs> of the year. Like I don't know what to tell you. It's the best game that came out this year. Like objectively, yeah, <laughs> it should be the one that wins at the Game Awards. Persona like Five on PS Five and Switch and PC. Yeah, like another Xbox. game that comes to mind game of the for year. this year that specifically I love is Tribes of Midgard. 
I can't believe that that game actually ended up gripping like it did, but it's also a July 2021 game. So it's like, it doesn't really come into this conversation. It's just because I spent time catching up. The weirder thing is like at the beginning of this year, I spent so much time playing non-current gen games in general. Like I played Infamous 2 again. I played Wolverine for the first time ever. I mean, as I was just playing. I, I spent a ton of time on Killzone Mercenary, which I'm glad I did. But this year has been full of not new experiences. And that kind of includes things like uh, The Last of Us, excuse me, The Last of Us Part One, which was great. And I had a good time with it. And it's still a great game and it holds up well. But I'm not going to talk about it as a game of the year because for me, it's even replaying it. It's just, it's a great game. I don't want to give it that platform because I just don't really think it needs it, which is, I guess is which my prerogative is to do so. Apologies. The Last of Us remake. Oh. Or the Last of Us Part One, whatever you want to call it. So. I hounded you about that one, and I still have not played it. That's so funny. I was like, I'm going to buy this if you don't. And then I downloaded it and then didn't, never tried. Yep, that's life. <laughs> that's where we are right now. Uh, I haven't really spent much time looking at the other categories yet, so that's something I'll save comment for until, I guess, when the actual Game Awards come and if we decide to cover it in any capacity. But we'll... We'll see if we get a wild hair, Chris, uh, and get off and stream it the whole day. <laughs> I'm down. I'll, I mean, I, I'll take it off. If you want to stream, I'll see if I can get the day off. At least the night hey, off. What were you going to ask? Um, is Killzone Mercenary on your game of the year list? Dude, I had so much fun with that game. So, yes, in, <laughs> in an odd way of games I had fun with. If we're talking top five that I've had fun with this year, Conan Exiles, Tribes of Midgard, Killzone Mercenary... Gran Turismo mm-hmm. 7, Inscription. Yeah. Those are my five. Mine would probably be MLB The Show 22, probably wins my game of the year. <laughs> Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Cult of the Lamb, Crusader Kings 3, and then <laughs> maybe Tactics Ogre if I finish it, Signalis. But yeah. I like God of War. And- I haven't gotten far enough, but... It was funny, you were saying that you've been pulled in, and I have been forcing myself to play it. (laughs) Now, I agree. (laughs) It's funny you say that, because pulling the curtain back from mine and your private conversations, without going too far into it, I kind of said, like, I think the game was fine. It started fine and everything. It's a good start. But I was slightly underwhelmed by the beginning, because it was... It's too predictable, which is somewhat sensible considering the setups but also that it was obvious to me from the get-go before i ever even put the game in before everyone came out i had a feeling that my own personal view on it would be that it was going to try to mirror the setup for 2018 so closely that at least the first few hours end up being a little less gripping than they otherwise would be because it feels like you're retreading ground which is something god of war's always kind of done where they have like they try and open with a bombastic opening but Everything about the pacing here and, and the crux of what was coming from it felt very familiar. Uh, and it did take me about five to six hours in before I was like, now you've got me. Let's keep going. Right around right around where you are right now is when I started being like, okay, you, okay you, you're starting to get me. You know? And I think a peek behind the curtain, for, for especially for me, is I've said it in the Discord, but I'm playing on Give Me God of War. And <laughs> this game is not easy. <laughs> no, there's there's been a couple fights that have been like hard stops for me. 
where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And then it's kind of like I did with Sekiro where I'm like, okay, I can't do this. I can't do this. Oh, I beat the whole combat encounter with, without getting hit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's gotten me to a point where I'm not making as much progress, which is fine. I wanted to play it on the hardest difficulty, but I'm also not intrigued enough to be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to not play Tactics Ogre or I'm not going to play Call of Duty because that's where it's been yeah. where once I bought Tactics no, Ogre uh, and it was... Oof. Go ahead. <laughs> when your Discord thing said that you were playing Tactics Ogre instead of God of War, I thought interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to see your runtime on God of War because I have a feeling from how I've se- how often I've seen it saying that you're playing it that your runtime is probably similar to mine and your progression is just significantly less than mine. You know what I mean? Well, we'll find out during the course of this show. I'll bring it up. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. In a boon for PlayStation VR two, Sean Murray and Hello Games have announced that a native version of No Man's Sky will be making its way to the headset in February. They say that the free update takes the game to another level, but didn't provide much more in the way of details. Their tweet indicated it would arrive February 2022, and considering it is November 2022, logic indicates that they, I'm assuming you meant 2023 there? Yeah, you must have. Read, read, read. (laughs) Just keep reading, I promise. (laughs) <laughs> indicates they expect to update to launch on February 20, 22, February 22nd, which is also the launch date for PSVR 2, which they later confirmed. N- nowhere in there did you say they mistakenly put 22. So it no, led me to only think because they, you... they tweeted what, what, what I wrote. February 2022? Yes. Um, and I played 11 hours of God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, I'm at like 12. So you're very yeah. close to me. Yeah, but you're significantly farther in the game than me. I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. Um uh, maybe sig- yeah, yeah, I'm willing to say significantly. Yeah. There was there's a fight um when you get to the things with two swords. Mhm. And there's one fight in there and I it took me 3 4 hours today to do it. This, this is fucking this is awful. But then you do it and it feels so good. And when you do win yeah, yeah there's a, the combat's definitely challenging and there's i've not had too many issues like, I'm, I'm not saying i haven't died i totally have a few times but i've not had too many issues uh with the normal game bosses uh, and even the a couple of the side quests that i've done but instead there's like question mark parts in the map that you can go to and there's like bosses that you can fight there and there's a there's I've had my butt handed to me by one in particular that you do multiple times almost every time I fight it. And really? I'm just like, dang. Like it's, it normally takes me dying at least twice. From I, The last time I fought one, I finally didn't die on my first time, but I got very close. So it's uh, it's been interesting. The game is definitely good. Um, you know, the, the thing that I'm very curious about is where it's going to rank with God of War for me because I've played all of them and have a very big love for the franchise. But it's always that thing where it's like, I just want to make it clear, like even if I'm sounding like there's a hint of something negative for the game in my mind or in the way I'm viewing it right now, first and foremost, being even if this game was the worst God of War, uh, and I'm not saying it is, even if it were, being the worst in a franchise that is filled with absolute bangers is hardly a problem. <laughs> I just want to right. throw that out there. It's like there has to be a worse everything. Like, right? If you've loved every single PlayStation console, there's still one that you know is like 
you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's the one I like the least, but I still love it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's the nature of, you know, when a band puts out an album and you're like, well, this one's not as good as this one, but it's still a banger. It's like, okay, so what's the what's the problem with having 10 great albums and this one just happens to be the, the worst? It's the 10th of them all. It's still a great right. thing. Spider-Man <laughs> so, 3 is the worst of that trilogy, and I'll still watch Spider-Man 3. Still a great excitedly. movie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Beat him with sound, Bully McGuire. Yeah, so that'll be cool. I, I, I do want to try a VR2 um, No Man's Sky because VR1 No Man's Sky was super promising. It looked great, but it was so difficult to control with motion controls. And you can do it with a controller, but it tears away half the immersion. So the immersion part is great with most controls, but then having to hold the move button on the right hand to move forward and then tap the other one to jump, it didn't feel right ever. No analog stick was weird. Having to like move your hand to try and turn the camera was stupid. So I'm ready to do this when I have real analog sticks and real motion that I can do and a grip that can feel my grip so I can pick stuff up. I think that'd be pretty cool. But for cool. now, Chris, you're still. I know uh, you're still <laughs> un, unmoved on your PlayStation VR uh, stance. Which I'll tell you right now, seeing people post the, uh, I did not get the invite, even though I got the invite to pre-register for pre-ordering. I did not get the invite to pre-order. Don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not I sure saw- I would have wanted to be the 749. <clears throat> I've seen a lot of people. I saw, yeah, because I saw Amazon had them for pre order. I was like, Amazon doesn't charge immediately. I'll just throw a pre order on in case I decide to do it. And then it was $795. I was like, I don't want it. I'm fine. Well, and that was my thing is when I was thinking of pre ordering it on PlayStation Direct, which is where I prefer to get my stuff. I don't know what they do. For God of War, they didn't take payment for the collector's edition until. It ships, and I would hope that's the really? same for because they did con- for me. They they took the two hundred dollars out of my account and then put it back, which I hate. If you're gonna take the two hundred dollars, keep it, and then don't charge me later. <laughs> eh, I guess I do everything on a credit card. So then putting the two hundred dollars back, it's like I don't even notice that they yeah. didn't take actual two hundred. They just charged two hundred. They're like, oh, it checks out, and then pulled it back. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't have to pay that. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. It was like for me when I did it on a debit card and I was out $200 for three days. And it's like either don't charge it or keep that $200, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That that kind of stuff gets weird because I don't want to have hundreds of dollars tied up into something. So that's it's a real big hit or miss for me on how places choose to pull money because some places... Like I'm pretty sure when I pre-ordered the uh, Dead Space Collector's Edition from Limited Run, I think that they just took the money <laughs> and just have it. Yeah. Like I don't think that they did a check or anything. I'm pretty sure I just paid for it, and then they're going to mm-hmm. use that money. <clears throat> this sounds weird, but that's kind of it, it. Sounds almost like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where it's yeah. like they're like, pay us for this thing, but we're not going to start making it. Until like after everyone pays us, because then we can use the money that you paid us to make it. And that sounds a lot like, hey, invest in us and we'll give you twice your investment back after your first three months because we're going to use the money for other people we convinced to do that to pay you. And eventually the buck is going to have to stop somewhere. But uh, Ponzi schemes. What a great thing. (laughs) It's the American dream in action. (laughs) In the end, capitalism wins. Uh, What's next? (laughs) 
All right. Next thing up is uh, with peripherals on the mind, if you do consider yeah. PSVR 2 to be a peripheral or console. That's a good question. Um, Razer have revealed a pro controller take for the PS5 by way of the Wolverine V2 Pro, featuring offset sticks for those who look to get asymmetrical on the PS5. Um I said that so weirdly. <laughs> Asymmetrical. Look, let me read it the actual way I wrote it. Featuring offset sticks for those looking to get their asymmetry on on PS5. <laughs> Other features Jesus. like hyper triggers, add trigger stops, mecha tactile buttons aimed to replicate the feel of mouse click. And this is the most razor shit in the world. Just ridiculous wording for features that you didn't need to do this way. Marketing sometimes is so stupid. <laughs> and a directional pad that uses micro switches for improved accuracy. Uh, it comes out or it comes in over the DualSense Edge, which is, of course, Sony's official take on the PlayStation Pro controller at $250. That's $50 over the Edge and is exclusive to GameStop and the Razer Store, arriving to market in December, just edging out Sony's official effort in January. <laughs> edging. <laughs> yeah <laughs> sony's edging <laughs> yeah i don't have much to say about this but there's no chance i'm buying this over the dual sense edge or whatever no there's no chance in hell it's 50 dollars more and it's not official like no way and it it doesn't really look that like when i looked at it I'm like it looks fine oh it's ugly for like a, i'm just talking about like it doesn't even look that sturdy and maybe it is but it doesn't look it um, it's the kind of controller that if I looked at that and someone was like, yeah, it's a $49 alternative to the DualSense, I'd be like, okay, bet. <laughs> but but for it to be $50 more than the official Pro Controller, nah, you're good. Go on. <laughs> exactly. No way in hell. I'm not even sure I'm buying the DualSense Edge. I'm most likely not because I never play competitive multiplayer games. There's no reason for me to buy it. Oh, Chris, I, I didn't tell you. I got the God of War uh, collectors or whatever, the, the special edition controller. Did you? I did. It's funny because I, I, it. I decided to cancel my order of that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just bought a pink we, one. So We swapped places. We did. It's okay. Uh, all right. Next thing up is, of course, some sad news with the definitive voice of Batman, and I stand by that. Kevin Conroy has passed away at the young age of 66. Uh, Conroy who has donned the cape and cow since he landed the role in Batman, the animated series in 92. He was a force in the video game world, of course, as well, playing the character in Rocksteady's Arkham series, Sans Origins, where he was voiced by... Who was it that voiced him in Origins? I'm trying to think. I know. Because I know they switched Joker and him. Joker was Troy Baker... Either way, Chris can figure that out. His last appearance as Batman came this year in Multiverses, though apparently there was a, an animated show they were working on alongside him that remains to be seen if it will find market and with him and his voice intact or if they'll revoice him and re-record everything. So we'll see, but that's unfortunate. I love Conroy. He is, hands down, he's been my favorite Batman or Bruce Wayne in everything that he's been in. I love him in Batman uh, Beyond. Uh, I also love uh, Will Friedle as Terry Guinness. Um, man, Batman Beyond so cool. But here we are. Sucks. Sad to see. Yes, rest in peace. Uh, it was Roger Craig Smith who voiced him in Origins. That's right. So Isn't the that voice Arthur? of... Uh, yeah, 
No, 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 no. He's. Am I um, thinking of the wrong name? Yes, Arthur Roger Craig Smith did. Um, he's Mirage oh. in Apex Legends, and he's also Sonic. He is Sonic, yes. Yeah, he's Sonic right now. What is the name of the dude who played Arthur? Because it's a very similar name. I feel like. I don't know. I'll find Arthur out. Arthur Morgan, Roger Clark. Eh, I guess I can kind of see where I got there. Yeah, Roger Clark makes sense. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, look at that. Sonic was Batman. <laughs> It's kind of interesting. Uh, anyway, the next thing up is, I guess, a, an interesting way of of having Phil Spencer approach the Call of Duty question of it all. But with pressure on Microsoft and Phil Spencer building around its acquisition of Activision Blizzard, the Xbox head made an appearance on The Verge's Decoder podcast and seemingly indicated that concessions to get the deal passed are on the table. Spencer said, quote, This idea that we would write a contract that says the word forever in it, I think is a little bit silly, Spencer said. But to make a longer-term commitment that Sony would be comfortable with, that regulators would be comfortable with, I have no issue with that at all. Spencer added, quote, We think Call of Duty will be on PlayStation as long as players want to play Call of Duty on PlayStation. Newsflash, that will always be the case. And that's not a competitive threat against PlayStation. That's just a pragmatic way of looking at it. When the podcast host, Nilay Patel, appeared to start suggesting that Xbox could get around this by offering a streaming-only version on PlayStation, Spencer quickly interrupted to clarify native Call of Duty on PlayStation quote, native Call of Duty on PlayStation, not linked to them having to carry Game Pass. If they want a streaming version of Call of Duty, we could do that as well, just like we do on our own consoles. There's nothing behind my back, (laughs) which is... Let me finish, I guess, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. It's interesting choice. Because it is the Call of Duty Modern Warfare uh, Warfare 2 doing great on PlayStation, doing great on Xbox, the next game, the next, next, next game, the next, next, native on the platform, not having to subscribe to Game Pass. Sony does not have to take Game Pass on their platform to make that happen. There's nothing hidden. We want to continue to ship Call of Duty on PlayStation without any kind of weird, aha, I figured out the gotcha. Mm. It's a lot to say. But there's a lot going on here. I'll give Phil Spencer one thing in particular. In doing this and the way he approached it, I think he did a great job of seeming like he was being genuine and being personable and doing what a podcast should do where it doesn't feel as political. It doesn't feel like he's a politician trying to find the best way to say something as much. But at the same time, a couple of his wording is really weird because I think that when he said like "there's nothing behind my back," I think he was trying to play that in with like as a joking thing. But it's just like his fingers aren't crossed. Well, I figured maybe like my my fingers aren't behind my back and crossed or anything. Yeah, sure. And I, I know what he means is that there's just he he's not trying to hold something back. But at the same time, I think it's really interesting to start that concept that that off by saying the idea you'd write a contract that says the word forever in it is a little bit silly. And yes, it is silly. I'm not even disagreeing with that. Why you would write as the owner of something, a contract that which states that you will in perpetuity forever and ever release your game on their thing is silly. But at the same point, it's kind of silly for you to argue 
that you're basically going to do that without that verbiage because you, of course, mean in this case, as any company would, if PlayStation are buying uh, Activision Blizzard as well and we're saying they'd continue to ship on um, Xbox, I'm sure that comes with a caveat of knowing that if we ever want to pull that plug, that's at our discretion because that's the, the whole purpose of owning something is that you get to call the shots. And the moment that it may become more beneficial for you to make to do Call of Duty not on PlayStation – you will, of course, want to be able to leverage that. So I think he's right. You, of course, don't want to write a contract with that wording in it, but that's because you don't truly want to, in perpetuity, have zero way out of shipping on PlayStation. Um, but it's okay. I don't mind that he went and said it. And I believe this will probably go a decent bit in the in his move towards trying to get this to pass. What are your thoughts on this, Chris? Um, I mean... I think it. I think it basically signals that that he doesn't know that it's going to pass anymore. So he's more like, "Yeah, we'll make concessions. Just get it done. We really want King. We don't care about Call of Duty, which I believe, and I also don't believe. But I believe it. I believe <laughs> it. But having Call of Duty as that juggernaut is not, you know, nothing. Yeah, I mean, Candy Crush is a juggernaut all its own, though. So there's. A lot to be said about that. Having two juggernauts as opposed to one exclusive juggernaut or whatever. <laughs> you, yeah, you're not wrong. Far from the thing, but you know, exclusive being the thing. It's like if if we take the conversation around Call of Duty <clears throat> and we put it instead to King, right? Microsoft doesn't have a mobile platform that they can make it exclusive to, so it's harder to do a direct comparison. But it, just for the sake of argument, liking it to them saying, well, we're no longer going to allow Candy Crush on micro on, a, on an iPhone when mm. we probably all know iPhone is probably among the top, if not the top earner for, for bringing in money on Candy Crush. So the argument stays in the fact that like, why would we take it off the thing that makes the most money on? But, you know, I mean, I get it. It's, it does make a lot of sense. Like we were talking about with, um, eventually bringing all the Bethesda games to PlayStation and just saying, Hey, you're going to charge $70 for it. And your value propositions over here, it does make sense to put your games on every platform possible so that you can make as much money as possible. But they're also not doing that clearly across the board. So one thing I doubt we'll ever see, but I'm very curious of is at what point does the value of exclusivity supersede the value of being available on every platform and vice versa? It's a hard question. I think... For them in particular, you know? The only way I think they would ever take it off PlayStation is if Xbox became the bigger place to play Call of Duty. But I've made this argument forever. I don't think that'll ever happen because Xbox pushed backwards compatibility, which locked people into their ecosystems even more than they were before. It I don't think without Xbox, there would be no backwards compatibility this gen, and we would have all started from square one, so then the Xbox Series Y 360 would have started from a new slate, and then maybe at that point we go, well, I want to play Call of Duty, so I'm grabbing an Xbox, and then it blows PlayStation out of the water. But currently, the way everything is going, which is a much more consumer-friendly way for video games to go, I'm not saying backwards compatibility is bad, I just think it pushed... Sony and Microsoft into a corner where Sony will probably always be the market leader strictly because people now have a gigantic ecosystem filled with games that they don't want to leave. I, I could never leave my PlayStation. I have tens of thousands of dollars of games on there. 
I'd never leave my PlayStation. <laughs> Even if I have no an joke. Xbox, I could never leave my PlayStation. So that I think, if, so I think it'll always be on Call of Duty because I don't think Xbox can ever truly pass PlayStation and console sales. So there you go. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, we'll definitely see if anything ever comes. I mean, Xbox seems to be doing better with console sales this generation, which might be what their real goal is, to just do better in the console space and then continue to push more and more into their mobile and cloud spaces, but still at least aim to further their position in the console space. Um, But we saw that Game Pass PC is growing much more efficiently and at much rapid, more rapid of a pace than console uh, Game Pass, which is kind of stilted. And I think that's interesting because no real big first-party releases have happened on either since they both release on both anyway. So at that point, it just goes to show that the console market only has so much saturation that it really will ever care for Game Pass to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. But that there stands to be much more money to be made from Xbox, Game Pass, and all of their games on other platforms. So at some point, I think Xbox have rightfully said and not even as uh, like we get to say like haha we finally got you or anything because that's stupid but i think xbox is admitting that they've lost the console war and that Mm -hmm. they're okay with that but that doesn't mean they're going to just lay down and not do anything in the console market they still need to show that they're competitive i would agree and one way to do that is by owning activision blizzard and having your finger on the pulse of what you choose to allow to go where it is an interesting strategy It it just is it just it screams to me of a third party publisher at some point. <laughs> but it does okay. have a it does have a strictly Sega vibe, but yeah. more successful than Sega. I'll give them that because yeah. I love Sega, but they have not necessarily excelled at just being a third party publisher either. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see what comes of that. Uh, next thing up on the list after delaying current generation ports of the witcher 3 coming from saber interactive a russian studio and taking the work in-house cd project red has finally given us the date of when chris can pretend he's going to like the witcher 3 this time (laughs) (laughs) the free upgrade will release on december 14th to anyone who has already purchased the game it comes packing improved graphics, ray tracing, and faster load times. They also mentioned integrated mods from a huge community of creators alongside content inspired by Netflix's fledgling Witcher TV show. They did not specify if a potential Geralt skin would be Henry Cavill or our first look at Liam Hemworth, uh, Dollar General version of the character. <laughs> but you might be able to do that. If nothing else, there is DLC inspired by the show coming as new content. Um, there's one thing in particular that I find really interesting about this, and it's specifically the fact that there is integrated mods that are from people outside of the development studio. And there's – Chris, you may know the answer to this because I really didn't bother to look into it. When Skyrim did um, Anniversary Edition, yeah, and it added certain things from the Creation Club. Sure. Was that akin to this, where the Creation yes. Club were were non Bethesda made items that they just pulled into the game? Yeah, but the Creation Club isn't the same as like Nexus mods. The Creation Club was the paid mods. That's what I thought. It was the mm-hmm. uh, creators could post it up, <clears throat> and it would be officially verified, and they could make money off of it. Correct. Which this, I don't think Witcher had anything like that. So my curiosity here is, first of all, this is cool because if you're as a developer going, wow, you did such a great job. Why would we even bother reiterating on something you've already done? And it makes more sense for us just, 
<laughs> it just gives us, it makes more sense for us to give you credit where credit's due and then move along and implement what you've already get, put into our game at a higher level. But I wonder what this does for the creators of those mods. Like, is it inherent when you create a mod for a game that the legality is you're creating a mod for something you don't own, therefore we own all mods to our games? Or is there something going on? Like, Creation Club for Skyrim is really interesting because maybe... Maybe there is something there where it's like Skyrim being like, by us giving you the ability to sell them, you get a certain percentage of the money, we get a certain percentage of the money, but we also own them in perpetuity. I'm just really curious as to how this goes there, but I think it's a cool idea uh, either way. I would have to imagine that the case would be no, they don't own the mods and they probably paid the mod makers some some kind of money because if 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 the case was that they owned the mods we would not have the GTA Definitive Editions we have. They would have taken That's the true. best mods that came out and they would have just sold them as a new game. Yeah. Instead, yeah. they made the worst possible mods for GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas and sold those. Fair. That's a fair point. Uh, though that also made us be an Icarus flying too close to the sun. They thought we can do it better, and then they just turns out they can't. <laughs> but that's knows? the thing, right? Rockstar proper probably could do it better. Grove Street Games clearly could not. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. I think the only way that you'll ever get those games in the way that people would truly want at this point is if they did ground up remakes. And I don't know that Rockstar would ever do that internally. Right. Then I don't think they won't now. <laughs> no, the, <laughs> they embarrassed nope. themselves too much. I still think it's crazy that they took their uh, remaster or remake or whatever it was of Red Dead Redemption and were like, yeah, we're not doing that because it's Grand Theft Auto kicked, like, completely okay. backfired on us. It's still crazy to me because they just have to port it. I don't even need yeah. them to upgrade the game. If anything, may open the frame rate so it goes to 60. And well, they would have done that, right? I mean, dude, the, the Xbox Series X version of Red Dead 1 looked phenomenal oh yeah but that's not a that's not a port like xbox's software lets that happen so yeah you sure know. but what i'm saying is it proves that all you have to do is tell that game to render at 4k mm-hmm. which is already what the xbox is doing it's just finding a very odd way to force the game to do it uh really it's recompiling but point being it shows you that just making the game be a port that runs at 4k 60 frames per second with no extra work you have a viable product. That's it. You're great. Like you're, like you're talking about with uh, Grand Theft Auto, the problem is that they're rebuilding these games in Unreal Engine, if I remember correctly. Um, so you're moving them off of their original engines. You're trying to make different changes. You're completely redoing all art. So there's a lot more that can go wrong in that transition than just being like, hey, Red Dead 1 is built on the Rage 1 engine. We're just going to port that game directly over render it at 4K on these new consoles that can do it and have a 60 frames per second mode. Yeah. But I sounds like they don't want easy money. I think they just don't want to be embarrassed by themselves again. To me, it's very telling that Rockstar canceled plans for what seems like such an easy way to make cash with Red Dead 1 remaster after being embarrassed by Grand Theft Auto, yet CD Projekt Red puts out Cyberpunk and is just like, <laughs> we're still fucking going forward. <laughs> we're still going to make a DLC. We're still going to make another Cyberpunk game. We're going to make mm-hmm. another Witcher game. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to release uh, The Witcher 3 for next-gen consoles. 
I think it's a very interesting shift in mindset. I think it goes to show you which one's owned by a big corporation and which one's still smaller. Right. <laughs> and Rockstar's uh, high on their own farts, so. Well, you go, you get big enough and you get too risk averse and you start to think of things as risk that may not be risk. Yeah. But what do we know? Risky. <laughs> yeah. We're not, uh, we're not risk analyzers. So I, I guess I won't tell them how to do their job. It just seems like there is a very clear and obvious way forward with a, with good money for Grand Theft Auto 4 and um, Red Dead 1 ports, remasters, whatever you want to call them. I just want to play GTA 4 again. Just give it to me. No multiplayer trophies. I'm back. I'll pay you $70. Just just release it. <laughs> I just need Roman or uh, Nico. Let's go bowling. I want to go bowling, cousin. Cousin, <laughs> let's go bowling. I did. You know, the one thing that I truly had like dumb fun with, like I don't even necessarily think it's an amazing part of that game, but being a teenager when that game came out, the most fun I had was just typing random shit into the, the cell phone for cheat codes <laughs> yeah. and dumb conversations. I was like, I'm just going to see what you can do on here. And that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. They have it some good websites. It felt very novel at the that. time. It did. Yeah. yeah. There's a, other things aside, I think my favorite actual aspect of uh Grand Theft Auto four is all of the, and this is true of other Grand Theft Auto games. So it's not unique to it, but all of the extra world stuff that they just do for like, if you're just sitting there, you can just watch these dumb movies they produce and put on the TV and these dumb audio things they put on the, on the radio stations where there's these little audio skits, that stuff is funny. And the little dumb commercials. Um, I quite enjoy that. It's a, it's the kind of world building that I really appreciate. And I just wish I would have ended up liking the gameplay a little bit more to co to coincide with that. But is what it is. There's still some fun to be had in Grand Theft Auto 4, even if I don't love it. That's, I guess, what I'm saying for myself. But I'd try it again if they remastered it. See if my yeah. opinion's changed. I don't think it's, I would try it again on PS, PS3, though, personally. Really? Because I can send you a copy. I have one right here. It's right here. On feel, my shelf. feel free to do it. I don't know when I'm going to play that, but feel free to do it. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try and work it into the schedule. I'll send it to you if you tell me I will play it. But if you're going to be like, I don't know, and then you know, just end up. It's a bad time of the year. If you if you had asked me that in like June, no problem. I'd have said I would have made the commitment. That's fair. But what am I? What am I supposed to do now? I'm still trying to play Signalis, finish God of War, Need for Speed Unbound's coming out, and I'm hoping that that's actually good, and I stick with it. I want to go back to Hot Wheels. Plague Tale Requiem fits into there somewhere, I hope. <laughs> Final Fantasy Crisis Core remastered. What about the quarry? <laughs> I went from being like, I may try that game to like, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, I want to play it, but not enough to buy it. You know what I mean? Uh, that would be a great PS Plus game. I can't wait for it to come there. And let's go with June of next year. The quarry. No, September. I'm going to say March. No, I'm say March. I'm it's, 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 that's that's a Halloween. You think so? I could see yeah. that. I could see that. Or maybe right before Little Devil Inside or whatever the next one's called. Yeah. Uh, here's a weird question that I'm. I don't know if you played it, but I'm. 
did you see the trailer they put out for essentially just Supermassive doing the exact same cycle over again where the PSVR 2 game was mm-hmm. like, um, what is it? Uh, dark Anthology, Dark Pictures Anthology, and then right. some VR dumb title. And it's just like a roller coaster ride with things from all the different Dark Anthology games. They did that with Until Dawn, uh, Rush of Blood, and I bought it and it was stupid. And yeah, it was just a gimmick. It's not. I mean, it's just a gimmick. It's a roller coaster ride. It's the exact example of what you'd expect an early VR title to be. It's just a short experience. It's full of stuff to try and wow you based off of the immersion factor. And it does have that. But releasing that same type of game as a launch title for PSVR 2 screams of you not doing anything to try and push VR forward as a medium. There's no reason we should be having that game releasing as a launch title at what I assume is going to be a full $60. I don't see it. I think that's so dumb to me that you would do that same thing. That feels like when like the companies used to like put your phone in this headset and we'll put you on a roller coaster. It's exactly, <laughs> it's, it's not enough to me. It's not. I think it's a very, very odd choice, but uh, yet I can't get a racing game day one. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. But that's life, I suppose. Uh, Chris. Hi, Brett. That is the end of what has been a pretty slow news week with uh, all the God of War excitement going on. Uh, so with that said, is there anything that we've kind of touched on today that would be worth looking at the community's take on? Um, or do you think we should just kind of go with something crazy? And then secondarily, have we landed on what we want to do for the God of War giveaway? I mean, no to the second one. I haven't even thought about it because <laughs> we've been recording a show. Um but I think for a community's take, honestly, I'd like to hear, I'd almost like to hear when people think the best time for a game of the year discussion is, or even like, what's your game of the year so far? It doesn't really, either one I think works. How about you? Okay. Yeah, I, I like the idea of uh, looking at the game of the year and how it does these cutoffs and how some games inherently get missed by that, at least as it is. Do you agree with that? Do you think that the current version of it's pretty pretty well the best form you're going to get while still being able to give games the credit they deserve or if they should push it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. I also wonder how much the game awards impact game sales and if part of why it happens when it happens is it's because it's not too far off from like Black Friday and stuff. So it's just one more angle to try and make your games sell more based off of them getting certain nominations and awards to try and end the, end the year with that game being even more in the black or hopefully reaching the black. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, that will be the community's take, and I will uh, get that up. Like I said, moving that to Sunday, so look out for those on Sundays. Of course, if you're in Australia, the chances of it happening technically on Monday for you are pretty high, so we'll figure it out. But yes, I will be moving that a day forward from what it currently is, and we'll get that up, give you a little bit more time to respond. Uh, and I appreciate you guys for uh, being patient and the fact that we didn't get it done for here. A lot of you guys are very understanding and we appreciate that. So with that said, the only thing that we have left to figure out and hash out here, Chris, is exactly how we want to handle this God of War giveaway. Yeah. I don't want to take too long. So I want to make it something that we can have resolved by the next episode. Just so whoever it is that may be itching to play God of War can play it. Why don't we just give it away on Twitter? But the way we do it is we just say, we'll give you a passcode on the show. 
and then tell us the passcode, follow us and, you know, retweet or whatever, and we'll send the code to the winner. That seems simple. It does seem simple. The only problem being is how are they sending us the passcode? Because if they're just putting it on Twitter, then you already see the passcode and you can just copy and paste it, right? Well, Brett, you know what? I'm not a genius. <laughs> we will probably just do that. So tell you what, if you what want if we a chance ask, to win God of War. This? What if we go? Okay, how, here we go. Tell us your favorite fight in the God of War series. Tell us that on Twitter. Excluding Ragnarok, please. Excluding Ragnarok. <laughs> to be fair, if, if you, you have Ragnarok, Ragnarok you, you are disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe you want it free for like a, a present or something. But yeah, that's a good one. Favorite favorite and fight then, uh, in all of can, God of War franchise. You can tweet that to us. We'll put that out on Twitter. And then maybe in two weeks we give it away. That way we people have time. I think one week. I think one week is plenty of time. It's fair. And then it, it lets us announce the winner on the next episode. Okay. That works for me. So that's what we will do. There we go. Josh, appreciate you sending us the code, man. Uh, really, really nice of you uh, to extend that out to us. And, of course, extend that out to whoever it is that ends up winning it. So that's uh, very nice of you. And I guess with that said, we'll get this show wrapped up. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. This has been episode... Oh, you know what? I didn't talk about Patreon. <laughs> hey, if you want to go to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month, you can join all the great people who have done so and helped us keep this show going. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to do that, we're uh, very thankful of that and, and all of those who do that. So, Chris, thanks for joining me as always. And remember, guys, you can find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. You can find us uh, in Facebook or on Facebook in the group Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. You can find us in the discord that we have, which is always linked in the description below, wherever you are experiencing the show, click through, join in there. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, if you want to be part of that God of war spoiler chat and spoiler discussion, throw down in there. Let me know, hit me up, tell me you want to be part of that. And I'll manually add you so that we do not worry about spoiling the game for anyone else. But until next week, this has been Triangle Square. Thank you, guys. And a huge shout-out to our patrons. As I said, Barry Rogers, Stingray X, It's a Sin to Win, a.k.a. Sean, Aztec King, Lechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Brood Days 93 Kevin Baconbits, Christopher, Danny Villalobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, and last but certainly not least, Shadowist. Thank you all, and remember, if you want to join them, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you.